welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Over the last, geez now, almost four years of doing this podcast, I've had people ask me, you know, either through email or in person or whatever, they're like, hey, can you kind of like summarize what your podcast is and what it's about? And I kind of always just, you know, (laughs) stumbled my way through that answer, you know, because is it about ultra running? Yeah, a lot of times. Is it about adventures? For sure. Yeah, that's something I'm interested in. Um, But I never fully just took the time to realize, you know, the answer to that question. Um, And the more I got to think about today's guest, the more I started kind of having a realization of, oh, maybe this is fundamentally the core of this podcast, the core idea. And that's the idea of endure. Okay. Today we're going to talk with Travis Macy. Um, Travis is an awesome dude. Uh, He's been on the show a few times. Um, But recently he went out and went to Fiji and he did the eco challenge and the eco challenge, you know, we had Corey Waltering on a couple of weeks ago, um, but is this incredible, completely badass adventure race through Fiji. And, you know, they recorded it, they made a show. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's really, really touching and moving and exhilarating and all of that. And you can find it on Amazon. Um, if you look up world's toughest race, eco challenge Fiji, um, but Travis decided to put together a team and his team is called team endure. Uh, and on his, his team is his hero, uh, his dad, Mark Macy. And you got to watch the show. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Um, Mark has been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And so Travis as a son, you know, who's a very incredible adventure racer decides they're going to put a team together so he can kind of, you know, have this adventure with his dad and, uh, the guy he's looked up to his whole life, the guy who's like an absolute legend in adventure racing and endurance racing and ultra running. Um, but more importantly, like it's his dad and, and he wants to go out and have this experience with him. And I, I just, I've been thinking about their name that they chose for their team, which is endure. And I was thinking about also, you know, like when I'm talking to people on the podcast, there's just unending stories about people enduring various obstacles that are thrown their way. Um, it's in every episode of the show, no matter what it's about, if it's about, you know, rowing across the ocean, if it's about running your first 50 K you're going to endure, you're going to have to, uh, withstand. You're going to have to just keep pushing forward no matter what is thrown at you. And, and I think that's the concept that fascinates me. And I was reflecting on that. Why is that fascinating to me? And I'm sure fascinating to whoever's out there listening to this podcast. Um, and I think 
it's because it's uh it's a very human experience every human on earth at some point is going to have to endure and I, so I was like, what, like, what's the definition of endure? And I don't want to start with the definition of endure because, you know, when you're listening to like a high school graduation speech and they start with a definition, you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> They're going to define, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I looked up endure because I was like, man, I'm fascinated with this idea. I understand it. I've been through it, but I'm not I, like, how would you define it? And I actually, so I did what anyone would do who's lazy is I typed it into Google. I typed in endure and, <laughs> and I did exactly what I tell my seventh graders not to do, which is don't just read the first thing that comes up. But the first thing that comes up says, suffer something painful or difficult patiently. In fact, it just says suffer patiently. And then something painful or difficult is in parentheses. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Suffer patiently. Is that really the idea of endure? Suffer patiently. And then the second one just says <laughs> remain in existence and last. And I just think that's really interesting because that is something all of us humans do. We remain in existence. We go about our lives. Sometimes we do suffer patiently, but other times we don't. And after watching the show and seeing today's guest, and it really like profoundly affected me, um, what they showed on it uh, for many reasons. But I don't think suffer patiently <laughs> is a great def definition for endure. Um, endure to me just means you just keep going no matter what no matter what life throws at you you're gonna just keep going you're going to remain in existence you're not gonna stop no obstacle is going to stop you you're gonna get obstacles thrown at you non-stop and you'll find ways to overcome them because that's what we do as humans we find ways to overcome any obstacle thrown our way. And I don't necessarily agree that that's suffering. I don't think that that means that you're suffering. I think you can overcome obstacles and it can be really hard and it can be tough and it can be a challenge. And it might not even be something that you wanted to face but I think you can overcome those obstacles and still enjoy the experience. And watching Travis and his dad on the show, I mean, they've had some, some real life just hit home for them. And these are two guys who are, you know, the mountains are in their blood, as you would say. These are guys who have been doing endurance racing for their whole entire lives. So they are probably some of the most prepared to face obstacles because they've intentionally just thrown obstacles in their direction for fun, for a hobby. 
And we always talk about how we do this so it's life training. And that way, when life hits, because it does, and it hits hard sometimes, when that happens, um, you have the the tools. You You're at least able to comprehend that the moment you're going through is enduring. But when I watch the show uh that the eco challenge when i see them race together those guys are 100 percent enduring but they aren't suffering at all i mean they're having an adventure they're having an experience together they're like they're growing they're collaborating and it's just pure love is what i see and it's it's powerful uh what you see and and i i texted travis and i know we mentioned in the conversation and i always get bummed out when i mention stuff in the intro that we then go on to talk about um but i'm gonna bring it up again because i watched that show and i was like man like literally everybody they're they're showing in this race like they're struggling through something in their everyday lives and they're using this as a break from reality or like a training for when they get back to reality and i don't know why this lesson just gets to me but i've learned i have to learn it all the time like everybody's going through something every single person is going through some sort of adversity in their lives whatever it may be but they're going through something and i think you got to have that perspective. You got to have that empathy because love is a really powerful thing. And having that perspective can help you kind of generate that love. Um, so anyways, that was a 10 minute intro. I about broke down and cried like five times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, I hope you guys, if you've watched the Eco Challenge, I hope you're as affected as I am. Um, and that's who Travis is. I mean, that guy is positive. He's energetic. He's loving. He's caring. He's just a really, really, really wonderful, wonderful dude. And I just think, you know, putting his story out there and him and his dad's story and, and their team's story because you see that his other teammates like – you know, just they're all coming together as this group who are trying to push through this hard adventure race. I mean, that inspires me and motivates me and really like brings energy to me more than anything. So, uh, you know, a super long intro there. Travis also wrote this amazing book called The Ultra Mindset. Uh, it's my favorite ultra running book. I read it before every race, reread it. Um, to relearn some of the lessons that Travis brings up. Uh, he's in a very, very experienced endurance athlete, mountain athlete. Um, and like I said, just a great dude. So uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation with Travis. We've done a couple episodes before, so feel free to go back and check that out. But let's dive into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, number 216 with Travis Macy. I'm so pumped, dude. I was like, 
I think there was a moment where you said you were going to sign up for the eco challenge. And from mm -hmm. that moment, which was probably like a year ago to yes. me being able to finally watch it to right now talking with you, I was like, I've been waiting. I was in anticipation that whole time. Oh, Chris. Well, thanks, man. It's, it's awesome to be here with you and to be here with, uh, with the listeners again. Um, I've really enjoyed talking with you in the past, enjoyed sharing the trail together for some little adventures and stuff. So it's really, it's good to, good to see your face. Good to be talking. Good to yeah, be man. here with the audience. And, uh, and yeah, that, uh, uh, you know, you're right. The world's toughest race eco challenge. It's on, on Amazon, um, now. And yeah, we did that race, uh, about a year ago it was, it was September, um, 2019. So there's kind of a, a long waiting period for the production and, uh, and you can see why I think they did a, you know, the, the scale of the production was incredible. All the footage that they had, all the embedded photographers, you know, the audio, everything that they, that they go through to, you know, to make a, what I think was a good, good and authentic product from, uh, from, in my opinion, you know, I think they did a good job of, of creating a, a real race, you know, here's a real hard adventure race that's, you know, hard enough that it takes the top teams five, six, seven days, which, which is long, you know, that's longer than probably most of the adventure racing world championships and similar events have taken. So it's, it's hard enough for them, but then it's also, you know, attainable enough that some of the teams with less experience and, you know, probably less fitness, et cetera, they have a chance of making yeah. it through, you know, in 11 days. And that's kind of, that's kind of the boat that we were in this time. You know, we're looking at those cutoffs. We're trying to stay ahead. We're, you know, working the sleep strategy and pacing and everything to, you know, make, make those cutoffs and just try to stay ahead and keep going. Yeah. I do think that was something that really, it was intriguing to me. Like just the fact of what you just said, there are teams out there with no experience that are out there giving it a shot and they have like a legitimate chance of finishing. Yeah. But you also have these elite teams who are just like extremely experienced and, and all mm -hmm. that. And as I was watching it, I turned to my wife and I was like, this looks really appealing to me. It, does yeah. that mean something's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, you know, they showcase, you know, the challenge and the suffering and, yeah, because that is a big part of it, but it's also, I mean, it's appealing to me. <laughs> like I like it. I'm applying to go again. You know, I've done a lot of these big expedition races over the last number of years when, you know, adventure racing has been out of the spotlight of the general American, you know, consciousness sort of since 2002 when the last eco challenge was, um, but I, you know, I don't think it, it makes you crazy. I love the the quote, you know, and there they had Adrian Crane, one of the guys on the, you know, the stray dogs, the, the old guy team, those are my dad's old teammates. And, yeah. you know, Adrian said something to the effect of only the crazy ones are the sane ones. And I, I you know, that kind of, I thought that was a good, uh, good, good line for sure. And I, I mean, in my opinion, Chris, Hey, here's a way to, you know, go out and, you know, kind of live fully and touch as Nathan Fave from the Kiwi team, he kind of touched upon like, you know, it's not that long ago evolutionarily that this is like what people were, were yeah. doing and living in or being in Fiji, you know, and seeing how do, how do the rural Fijians live, you know, man, those guys that we were out there and we were trucking with them, as you saw on the show, some of the, a few of the sections you could 
have a local sort of guide with you, you know, and th this isn't a guide service. These are just the guys who live there. Like you walk into town and you're like, Hey, can anyone get us to Lutu? You know, and they're like, I know where Lutu is. And then you, <laughs> you go back and forth and you figure out how much you're going to pay and they head out with you. Yeah. But like, this is what these guys do. Like they trek around in the jungle and you know, you go three miles way up this hill and they're like, Oh, this is my field here. And you're like, what field? It looks like I'm still in the jungle. And then he's like, no, right there. And you look closely and it's like, Oh, these aren't the jungle plants. This is, you oh. know, this is, this is a, you know, a crop that they're growing, but like, that's their work commute. You know, they walk whatever X number of miles per day through the mud on these little trails, you know, and, and that's that's what they do so these guys man they are strong and they are fit and they are enthusiastic and they're just you know trekking around in the hills with bare feet that's wild man i'm just wait i'm just sitting on my porch in the suburbs right now just waiting for someone to walk up and be like hey can you show me how to get to netherland <laughs> yeah. and i'm like come on <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. Go. No, i mean that's what it would be like but they you know it comes across a bit in the production gosh the fijian people are just the nicest, most enthusiastic and generous people culturally. It's like it's baked into their way yeah. of life. They're just giving and they're, you know, giving us food and inviting us into their houses to, to sleep. And, and it's a very communal way of living of everyone is in it together. And I mean, I've, man, how many times have I thought about them and how they live over the last year of like, you got, you know, that's something we need to apply to our lives here, being in it together, helping people, just being yeah. generous, giving back. I mean, boy, they, that's just, it's what they do. Yeah. And I mean, what a, is there's, there's no better way of seeing a country. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the way you guys were able to go out and experience Fiji is unlike any other way you could experience, like being a, a, foreigner coming into a country like there's no other way you can experience it like that yeah i think so it's a very intimate look in, in, in this race at the culture which was great as well you know again sleeping in uh, people's houses and you know having meals with them and stuff and yeah and that's uh, you know we have maybe talked about this in the past it's been one of my favorite things over the years with this racing stuff is just it's a great way to see different places in the world and travel. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite things about this race is uh, we brought our families, you know, so they, obviously they couldn't go on the course and they kind of, yeah. they flew over after we had already started. And, you know, a lot of their experience was more of the typical, at least during the race, you know, stay at a nice hotel and go to the pool and stuff. Um, but they got to, the kids got to see the race. And then afterwards, um, we took our kids to like a, a homestay kind of thing on another island, you know, remote island, tiny village. There's like, you know, 50 people living there or something. And again, we stayed in, you know, people's house with them and ate meals with them. And they're like, boy, that was valuable for the kids to see, you know, here's a whole nother way of life. And, and people, again, who, who seem for the most part, very, very happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I want to ask about that then, because it was something I didn't realize that you actually had your family down there and they were experiencing you racing mm -hmm. and just knowing a little bit of your history, seeing your dad race, like your dad's this legendary, uh, very experienced ultra runner, adventure racer. While you're growing up, you're witnessing that you're being brought to the events. Like, Mm -hmm. is that a cool like passing of the torch moment like you doing that for your kids as well 
Yeah, I think so. I think having the kids there and, you know, in a broader sense for, for me, this race did feel like a rite of passage in many ways as we navigate this Alzheimer's journey and a lot yeah. of, you know, I mean, it's been super, super hard. And that boy receiving that diagnosis I mean, really flew, you know, turned me for, for a loop, you know, with just, a, you know, a lot of anxiety about it and, and you know, low, low lows and, um, it was, it, it, it felt to me like a rite of passage, um, yeah. you know, and some of that was having the kids there and a lot of it was just doing the race with, with my dad and getting to, you know, in some ways live, live out and carry out these, these different roles, you know, uh, and especially for, you know, someone of dad's generation to, you know, accept help. Um, you know, that's a really hard thing for, a lot of guys to do, especially, um, yeah. you know, and for me to, to feel comfortable, you know, helping my dad in, in those many ways. I mean, it was, it was great for us. So like I, yeah. you know, it was really getting to the starting line for us really was kind of the race itself. And once we got there, of course it was hard and long and, you know, grueling and dirty and all that kind of stuff. But like, once we were there, I felt like our whole team really embraced just being, we're going to be present and enjoy this. And, and we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I did want to ask, I, I made a little note, like training leading into the eco challenge. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess just real quick, just training for an adventure race in general. How do you go about that? Because it's so many different disciplines, you know, I I'm assuming most of the teams out there were like, there was at least one area they weren't super experienced in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in general, with most adventure races, the core disciplines are are on foot, you know, so we call it trekking. It's kind of like ultra running. It's like, yeah. if your legs are fresh enough, you try to run. And, you know, if, if they're not, or if it's up a steep hill, then, then you're hiking. So, you know, somewhere in between would be trekking. So, <laughs> you know, you've got trekking, you've got mountain biking, and you've got paddling. And those are kind of training wise that's those are the main things you need to put time into to be okay. strong and fit in all of those you know and especially again if you're if you're trying to win like you have to be good on your feet running slash hiking you have to be good on biking you know both fitness wise and to some extent with technical riding you know most adventure races don't have super technical biking but some might have it um and then the paddling and again you got to be you know, one, like, why are the Kiwis so good at this sport? Well, one reason is they're good paddlers. Like culturally, that's what they do. They, they paddle yeah. and that could be kayak style. It could be canoe style. It could be rafting. It could be, as you saw in Fiji, all the paddling was canoe style, meaning a single blade. And you're doing that in a thamacow, which was what we did at the start, those sailboats. Yeah. You're doing it on a stand-up paddleboard and then you're doing it in a, an outrigger canoe in the ocean. Okay. So really, you know, you, you got to train all the, you know, kind of like a triathlon, like swim, bike, run, same yeah. thing, paddle, bike, run. You've got to be doing all those, but you're running. It's not all running. Some of it's just trekking around in the hills, off trail, practicing your navigation, you know, <laughs> um, stuff like it. Like, as you know, I'm into hunting as well, like hunting it the hunt the hiking you do for hunting is great adventure racing practice because you're off trail you're in steep stuff you're using a topo map you're navigating you're paying attention to the the terrain you know that's a lot of what you're doing in in an adventure race yeah. so i didn't even you know, think about doing, that that is like a huge connection there though yeah it is yeah 
Yeah. And, you know, again, the, the navigation, paying attention to the environment and stuff. So, you know, in a nutshell, you're, you're, you know, making enough time to do all of those things. Hopefully each week you get in, you know, a long run slash hike, long mountain bike ride, a long paddle, and then also mixing in, you know, ideally, again, depending on how serious you are and how much time you have, you know, some intensity sessions with all those sports and some recovery focused sessions and some technique sessions, you know, like paddling, kind of like swimming technique is huge. You can't just go out there and start doing it. You know, you're, you're using techniques so that you're using your, your big chest and back and torso muscles instead of just, you know, throwing punches with the paddle. Oh, that's so, what I've done. I've done that many times in the past. And yeah, afterwards, yeah. at like five minutes in, I'm like, why am I paddling so slowly? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And your biceps are always, blo- are already blown out. So, yeah. you know, it's working through those things. But then of course you also see the more specific skills like the fixed rope stuff and, um, you know, all the gear skills, again, the navigation, that's huge. You got to have at least one person on your team who's real good on the navs. So, um, you know, those are things that you can practice and also they get built up, uh, over time. Yeah. Do you sit down and have like a group dynamic discussion beforehand? Like, do you have like a team meeting where it's like, okay, like let's put our roles kind of out there. So we at least have that going in. Um, yeah, definitely. And a lot of, you know, let's say if, if you're, you know, kind of on a, on an elite team, you know, which I've done many times, like that's, a lot of how the team is made up, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, Oh, and even in many cases we're like, okay, we got, Oh, three Americans. And, you know, we know we're good on foot and bike and navigation, but if we had a real strong paddler, who's yeah. also good at these other things, like we would be way better. So then it's like, call <laughs> up the key. I mean, literally call up the Kiwis and the Aussies <laughs> and like get one of them on your team or, or navigation, you know, again, especially at the elite, elite level, like, you know, I'm like a quite good navigator, but there's also, you know, on those very top teams, like you watch the Kiwis, you know, they have a guy named Chris Foreign who didn't even get mentioned, but like that guy is like here, you know, <laughs> he's great on the nav and he's just super strong and has all yeah. these skills. So, you know, a lot of, yes, the, you know, teams would be made up that way, or maybe you form a team with, you know, your buddies or whatever, then yes, you absolutely. You might want to talk through and, and you'll figure out along the way, because in my, in my opinion, the teams work better where everyone has a chance to be a leader. Things are somewhat yeah. democratic. Sometimes you see these teams that have a very hierarchical military sort of structure. And sometimes that works, but I think a lot of times it doesn't because what happens when the captain who must make decisions, you know, either in their own mind or in their teammates mind, like what happens when that person is bonked and, you know, and can't think straight or can't navigate anymore. Like, you know, everyone, you know, these long races, the more of them you do, you find out everyone has times where they're the strongest person on the team or the most lucid person on the team who, you know, should be kind of leading the (laughs) way right now. And everyone has times where like, you're just getting drug along. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, (laughs) Um, well, everyone has these ups and downs. Like you don't want just one person making all the decisions because when they're in a down moment what are you going to do you know yeah exactly yeah and you you know with the different sports you know someone's a stronger paddler someone's a stronger cyclist you you know you're you're like literally towing your teammates or getting towed at different times um you know like for us like i did most of the navigating 
in this race and Danelle was, Danelle's also a very good navigator. So she was, you know, kind of helping me out at times and, um, and many times like, you know, with, with Alzheimer's sort of being our fifth teammate, that was a big challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it turned out Danelle was really good at helping my dad, um, especially at night, just talking to him, keeping him, if he wasn't talking at night, disorientation would kick in, you know, yeah. quite quickly. But if he was talking and just even telling stories from old races or yeah. from his career as an attorney or, you know, stories about the kids or grandkids, then he would stay pretty dialed in. And, and Danelle was just fantastic about doing that, you know, while Shane and I would kind of have our heads in the maps or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, just training leading into it, did you and your dad pretty much like train together for the most part? I mean, I know, so tell me if I'm wrong here at one point you guys were going to be on different teams and then mm -hmm. the Alzheimer diagnosis came in and you decided we're going to team up together and do this, you know, kind of, you know, as a, as a partnership or a team here. Yeah, yeah, more or less. That was kind of the original plan is he was going to do the race with the stray dogs who you saw, you know, on the show. And that was, um, those are the guys he's raced with in the past with all the eco challenges. Yeah. And, and they're good friends of ours. I mean, Marshall Ulrich, he lives in Evergreen, Colorado, um, you know, where my parents live and where I lived up until a few months ago. So a lot of the training, um, you know, is a mix. I mean, I kind of, you know, usually just due to schedule, like I have work and I have kids. So a lot of my training is early morning and, yeah. you know, most older retired folks don't want to get up and train at, you know, 6am. So I so can't I wait till we're retired, Travis. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, yeah. Oh, 9am. I get to go train. No way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, you know, I like the mornings like you do probably yeah. many of the listeners do as well. Um, so, you know, logistically we couldn't do everything together, but we did a lot together. A lot of the rope stuff, you know, the certifications for climbing and for whitewater, you know, we did okay. a lot of that. Me and my dad and with Marshall Ulrich and with, um, Bob Haw, who was on the Stray Dogs team too. He flew out a couple of times and we'd have kind of, you know, adventure training weekends doing these certifications and stuff. So, you know, in many ways we were still kind of a, a combined team, you know, and sort of in it together, which, which was great, you know, yeah. and, and that's something I think sometimes people with adventure racing, they think, Oh no, I have to have teammates who live right with me and we have to do everything together. Great. If you do, maybe that works out, but you know, I've been on a lot of successful teams where like, you know, we meet at the race or we used to race against each other and now we're going to do it together. And you know, that can, that can work out too. Yeah. That's awesome. I really loved watching the stray dogs on the, on it too. Those guys mm -hmm. were pretty, <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, yep. so yeah, I mean, I, I did want to kind of just ask a little bit about your dad and I know he's, you've brought him up in previous podcasts just based on, you know, your history, watching him race as you grow up and, and how endurance racing and doing these adventures has been such a part of your life through him and you know i just could you just like the, what are the traits like you see those traits on on the show but i just want, kind of want to hear from you like the traits that you really admire when when thinking about your dad you know he's just my dad's always been a, a enthusiastic hardworking, authentic and and generous guy 
you know, yeah. that's, that's the core of his personality. He's always enjoyed helping people. You know, he's, he's helped so many people pacing or crewing at the Leadville 100 or other ultras. That's been a big, big part of his life and, and just going for it. You know, he's always been a, you know, kind of guy who goes 110% with his career. Uh, well, first and foremost with his family, but, but then also with, with career and with his own racing. And, you know, I think we're naturally similarly wired and in many ways and you know never did he push me into this any of this endurance racing stuff but yes i was exposed to a lot of it and you know it just felt normal you know i yeah. when eco challenge started in in 95 you know i was 12 13 years old and i watched those on tv every year and then i heard all my dad's stories and you know i was playing regular team sports and then you know running kind of became my main thing in college and then triathlon but i you know, it always where for some people it's like, Oh my God, the two hour, you know, Olympic distance triathlon is a long race. You know, I always kind of, well, yes, that's, you know, it's, it's a long way to like push yourself at, you know, a, like a at, high a, level. at a threshold yeah. effort, you know, yes, it is. And any race is very hard if you're, if you're going all out, you know, cause you, cause you pace it so that you can barely make it. <laughs> but I also knew like, there's these, there's the, these other longer things out there, you know, adventure races or ultra runs or whatever and you know early on it was like i want to do the eco challenge and then again the eco challenge tapered off in 2002 and we kind of you know never really thought it would come back and then you know a few years ago there's all these murmurs or you know yeah. oh bear grills is involved and and like a bunch of times we're like no you like this is a this is like an internet scam you know <laughs> but but then at some point it was like oh this is a real thing like yeah you know yes let's do it and i'm glad we did yeah wow man that's that's so amazing what i guess what i saw and i texted you this while i was watching the show Mm -hmm. but this is something that I just relate to so much. Just the fact that you see all of these racers, all everyone's from diverse backgrounds. And at the end of the day, like it's about relationships that people are making. It's mm -hmm. about trying, like it's about trying to process like certain life experiences that people are going through. And I know I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but like, I've used adventure, I've used endurance races to really take some time to like internalize process and like reckon with, you know, things that have happened in my life. And you just, I saw it so much on the show that it just kind of hit me where I'm like, wow, it seems like everybody in all walks of life has gone through something and they and it's just, you, you see this group of people that are using this adventure to help them through that. And it was just really awesome. And it, that's just really like, really touched, touched me while watching the show. Oh, thanks, Chris. I would, I, I agree. I think anyone who's listened to this, you know, maybe they're, you know, you're an endurance athlete or you're attracted to this kind of stuff. And yeah. I think we can all relate to that, you know you're working through things, you're growing, you're, you know, you're struggling. Like we all have these, these peaks and valleys and that's, that's life, you know? And, and I think for a lot of us who are attracted to these endurance sports, uh, that's that processing out there on the trails, like, you know, that's a huge part of my story yeah. for sure. Processing Alzheimer's, you know, yeah. man, I told you, I've had some 
very big lows and, you know, almost like moments of, you know, semi sort of panic attacks and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's real stuff and really hard depression and anxiety and, and those kind of things. And for, for me, the, the physical, the physicality, the being in nature, that's, that's a huge piece of it. And I, and I think it is for, for a lot of people. And I also think, you know, you watch something like that race and you see it, you know, people do, you know, it's portrayed in a heroic like sort of way. And, yeah. and it is, and it's true. That's, that's real. But I also think, you know, I think most people like, you know, that could be you. There are heroic things going on every day, whether that's you as a school teacher or your wife is a doctor or, yeah. you know, any other you know, persons supporting their kids or their parents or their neighbors or whatever, you know, all of those things are, are just as heroic and <laughs> could be portrayed as such. But I, I just, you know, I, I think it's important that people realize, that, you know, they can be, be your own hero and, 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 you know, be proud of the things that you do already that are, that are heroic and are important and keep doing those things because they matter even if they're not, you know, whatever on Amazon Prime, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, you get out there and it's, it almost strips everything away. Like mm -hmm. it, it takes oh, everything yeah. else away. And for me as a busy human being mm -hmm. with kids and a job and all that stuff, all the time, you know, different things are taking my attention away. I need those moments where I'm out there completely by myself to really just take something that's been in my head for years and years maybe and yeah. like take time to just give it attention basically absolutely yeah yeah i think everyone should do it i mean that's why <laughs> every day like i go running your bike and most of it is like it makes me a better person it makes me feel better it, it decreases my anxiety yeah. and energy and makes me more present with my family yeah and then i think you know these these bigger things, they are an extension of that. And, you know, obviously, you know, the getting outside and going backpacking or bikepacking or doing an adventure race. I mean, for many people, that's just not accessible. Like even having the ability to think about doing something like that, it comes very much from a place of privilege, yeah. you know, whether it's financially or access or whatever. But I think if, if, if you can, I, I think it's a great thing for anyone to do. And, and I would highly recommend to anyone, you know, maybe you've seen the show or to you, Chris, like you could totally do eco challenge, you know, <laughs> I mean it. And I think you should, whether it's eco challenge or, you know, another adventure race, like yeah. if it appeals to you, you should do it. And part of the adventure racing mindset is it doesn't have to be perfect. People think, you know, whether it's a marathon or an Ironman or an ultra run or, you know, they, they, oh my God, I don't have the time. I don't have the skills. And, you know, if you want to do it, I bet you can figure out, how to get the gear and get enough experience to make it to the start. And then you're going to figure it out, you yeah. know, and it's not going to be perfect. None of these long races and especially in the adventure race, <laughs> it is not going to, like you saw the Kiwis who won. Yeah. And then maybe I'm giving something away, but well, like spoiler alert. race was not perfect. Like their boat <laughs> tipped over five seconds into the race, right? <laughs> it is not going to be perfect. And isn't that life in general? Like shit happens and yeah. you got to figure it out. Yeah. I love that, man. I love it knowing that it's not going to be perfect. Like I have a mm -hmm. race coming up this Saturday that I've been training for 
for way too long at this yep. point because it got pushed back. Yeah, and yeah. I know going in, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be perfect. This is, exactly. I'm going to be feeling terrible at some point. And I yep. like that. And I think it's important because it helps you learn how you can adapt to all sorts of stuff, you know, just by exactly. intentionally putting yourself out there a little bit. Absolutely. You're right, Chris. And isn't that, that you know, the perfect ultra running race is not the one that is without flaw or challenge. Yeah. It's the one where you do a good job managing the challenges that come up. And, yeah. and I think I know for me on my personal journey, I'm very predisposed to like black and white thinking totally in, totally out, good or bad, you know, no gray area. And, you know, as I've, as I've gained more wrinkles in my skin, I've also realized like there is a lot of gray area in life. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what a good, I think that's something you see on a race like eco challenge is, you know, it's not, it's not all good, but it's also not all bad, you know, yeah. like Alzheimer's like shit. Yes, that is bad. You know, many things happen that you wouldn't wish upon anyone, but how how can you make it as good as possible? How can you keep living as fully as possible, even if that changes over time? You know, yeah. how can you use a really tough experience to maybe help other other people or empower them to, you know, be a little happier or live more fully? You know, those are the kind of things that we've been trying to to figure out or work with. Well, and you guys, I mean, just by putting your your story and your feelings and being so authentic on the show like that has got to make like a huge difference for many many people who are going through the same thing that you're going through and your dad's going through I mean like I just thought that was so amazing I I was probably like five episodes in and I I told my wife I'm like I've cried at least like seven times on the show yeah <laughs> and it's all all for yeah, various yeah. reasons but they're definitely like just moments that definitely touch your heart and I just think that is empowering for people who might be going through a similar situation out there yeah I, I hope so and and again you know uh, our story that you know was I think portrayed authentically and they did a good job with it you know that's it's also the story of the human condition you know yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people digging deep to support their friends, their family, their community, their, you know, your students in your classroom, like, gosh, talk, being a teacher, like that makes you dig deeper than you ever thought you could in many Into ways. the well of patience. Into the, exactly. The well of, yes, patience and, and everything else, you know, you're digging in to help other people. And, you know, uh, again, that, that, you know, your classroom may never be on 60 minutes, but like, it doesn't mean you're not doing heroic things to help yeah. these kids and their families, you know? Yeah, that's true. And it's, yeah, everyone can do it. I mean, it happens every day, millions it and does. millions of times exactly. and it's never yeah. highlighted, never shown, um, yeah. as an ex offensive lineman in football i'm like that's the lineman <laughs> exactly. mentality no one cares <laughs> when you do stuff good <laughs> yeah no kidding who is it like peyton manning without an offensive line you know like the guy can barely run he's got a yeah arm. yeah exactly <laughs> he man couldn't have done that without the o-line that's for sure <laughs> um you know the smart quarterbacks give their o-line props they're like the yep. best to their o-line that's yeah, what you well, gotta do they, sh they should be <laughs> yeah yeah well so i wanted to ask you this just kind of selfishly before you do a big challenge or an event 
mm-hmm. you like intentionally, cause you wrote this amazing book, ultra mindset. Um, oh, I have been rereading it before this ultra that I'm doing coming up, Oh, cool! but thanks, I was wondering Chris. if you intentionally like review those principles that you set in that, or have you just internalized them at this point? Um, you know, a little bit of both, whether yeah. it's going through those or, or other stuff too, you know, like, okay, I took my best shot at writing down some of yeah. these principles or mindsets. And I think they can help a lot of people. And, you know, if someone wants to read a book, the book, I hope, I hope they do, or, or maybe they don't help you. And that's fine too. Or maybe, you know, one or two of them you find, um, relevant, but it could be looking through other things or it could one, one thing I do often before big races. And I did this for the eco challenge, you know, like for a running race, I might just write on a note card, you know, whatever's on my mind. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a, you know, something from the ultra mindset. Often it will be names of people, you know, my family members or, you know, a, a friend or a loved one who's going some, through or, or something, you know, I think the, the real heroes are, are, in my opinion, not those who like choose these challenges where we face adversity by choice yeah. and then go through. And it is really damn hard, but it's also like by choice. But in the really, back of your doing, mind, you're like, I signed up for this. Yeah, exactly. What <laughs> we're really doing, I hopefully is we're training for the challenges that come not by choice, right? Yeah. You know, the Alzheimer's, the cancer, the, you know, the mental health challenges, whatever, you know, these things are that are, that are part of life. And, you know, I might write down someone's name who, who I see is going through something like that. And, you know, I'm suffering and I look at this thing and I'm like, you know, holy shit, this is nothing compared to, you know, what that person's going through. And it kind of has that perspective or like for the eco challenge, you know, you got these, those big 48 gallon Rubbermaid action packer gear boxes that you see every couple of days. And so, you know, I, I, I cover, and a lot of people do this. I put in pictures that my kids drew and pictures of my kids. And, oh, man. You know, you got this little collage and like, you know, my dad had one and, and, and then some stuff that I, you know, that I, that I, that I wrote, you know, like a little, I think I had a note card in there that that's the only thing that was my own words. It, it just said, you know, physically and mentally, um, I am, I am tough as nails. Yeah. You know, and I'd see that and I'd be like, okay, this is, you know, I can do it. And then and, and in this case, you know, usually it, it's always hard physically and, and it does, it sounds kind of cliche, but it does come down to the mental part, you know, yeah. and, and with Alzheimer's, there was just, there was so much uncertainty that we had to believe in ourselves and we had to believe that the risk was worth it. And I think it was, you know, like, is there a high risk of, of, bringing an older person with Alzheimer's, you know, into the jungle in Fiji, like to do all this shit, you know? Yes, there is. And we made a a defined decision. Like, is there a greater risk for our family at this time to throw in the towel and just say, we're not going to go and we're not going to do something that's really important to us. Yeah. Um, And and that was the greater risk in our opinion. So we went for it. And I mean, your dad just, there's a a part on the show where he's just p- powering up this hill, like leaving you guys in the dust seemingly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, he's just like, you get that experience of being an endurance athlete and an adventure racer. And like that experience doesn't, doesn't leave you, you know, like you have 
you have that like um almost like you know how it is running and stuff like you get that muscle memory of just yeah. how to navigate terrain and i'm like that it just seems seemingly like that doesn't leave you like that's always going to be with you you know yeah i think so i'm very much chris into a strengths based approach you know sort of to life in general but you see it in the classroom you know yeah. different kids have different we all we have a different makeup and strengths and weaknesses and you know of course we want to build up the deficits but we also want to play from strengths and that's something we've tried to be intentional about with with this alzheimer's journey is let's play into the strengths you yeah. know and there are going to be deficits and of course there's going to be more and more over time but you know for my dad that strength man he's outside he's on his feet he's hiking he's he's talking he's telling he's always been a storyteller you know and he <laughs> loves just bullshitting and talking like those are his strengths. So why not do those, you know? Yeah. And even now, like, uh, he's anything with numbers or time or details or, you know, even a sense of time. Like we went out this summer and we camped in Leadville and, you know, there's, you know, things are challenging on the day to day and meals and, you know, tying shoes and stuff. But like you get on the trail and man, he's just going, yeah. you know, and we went out and we hiked up and down Hope Pass and, you know, we're out there for like four hours and, you know, we come back and he's like, well, what was that Trev about an hour? <laughs> I'm like, no, like it was actually four hours. Like, but, but it's what a cool thing to like, he's just eminently present, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think, boy, there's something to learn from people who have Alzheimer's. Like you're not worried about the past. You're not worried about the future. Like you are here and now and you're in the game in the moment. And you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's something, you know, we tend to strive for is being in the present moment. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Did you guys do the Leadville? What was it? Like hundred thousand feet challenge? Yeah. The vertical challenge thing. Yeah, we did that. You, you know, the, the, um, the virtual things like, yeah. you know, many of my clients are doing those Some people like, man, if you like those, like go do them. And, and it's cool. It's a great way to stay motivated to have little things along the way. So anyway, the Leadville one came out and, um, yeah, we decided to do like the team hunt, you know, so we were on the team together, hundred K vertical total between us over eight weeks running plus biking. Yeah. Um, and we ended up, we actually each got to a hundred thousand solo, you know, my that's, dad did too. Like, you know, he was just, <laughs> that's insane, he's man. That's... Years old, he's got Alzheimer's and every day, Chris, he's doing two to 3000 vertical feet, you know, wow. half on foot and half on bike. And Man, it was awesome to see because even like those numbers, like that was where he got like, you know, the concept of my goal is to go uphill as much as I can stuck. Yeah. The concept of, you know, how many feet or whatever, you know, the numbers, those weren't, it wasn't sticking with him, but that was fine. Like he was motivated. He's getting out. He, yeah. You know, he'd run up and down Evergreen Mountain in the morning and then he'd bike and then every afternoon he'd just hike up and down the hill behind my parents' house and get another, you know, 500 feet or something. That's so impressive. I, yeah. I've been running with a guy out here who did it and we were just talking. We we're like, it's, it's a lot to do in a week. It's 10,000 a week. And yeah. I'm like, that's a lot to get in <laughs> for one week, but yeah. Yeah. And then just being intentional, like I have to do these routes where you're gaining all this elevation and all of that is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, convenience. If you have a hill right by your house, yeah. Or, or you know, I had a few clients who did the two two hundred k challenge. You know, a hundred running and a hundred biking, and that that was a big commitment. It was a big, you know, those guys all the last few weeks they were doing you know twenty five hours a week. Wow. Like one one guy, one of my clients, Rodrigo, who's who's like a lead man podium guy. He lives in Leadville, so he did the whole two hundred k literally above 10,000 feet, no <laughs> treadmill, no, no bike device, all like totally legit, which is amazing. And then one of my other guys who lives in Denver, you know, and he's a, he's a doctor and he works big hours and stuff like he's hammering away. I mean, he just get on the treadmill and he's like pounding it out at a, a steep grade for, you know, two hours and he gets 6,000 feet or whatever. And wow. Um, it was a big push to the finish for sure. That's amazing. I wanted to really quick, cause I know you have only have about 10 more minutes. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm going to get my I wanted to, Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I know you guys have definitely had a role in like one of your purposes is to kind of raise awareness for like organ donation. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of wanted to ask, like, I, I kind of knew a little bit about your involvement in that, but I kind of wanted you to expand on that a bit. Um, because I think that is, you know, in the science classroom, we'll have, we have someone come in every, every year and kind of teach the kids about it and all yeah, that, yeah. which weirdly enough was one of your old teachers from high school. If you remember, I was, oh, no I, way. Who was, did you tell me this? Who was that? I texted you. It was one of your English teachers in high school. Oh and yeah. Maybe you told me that. I can't was remember. It, yeah, was it Kathy Chatton maybe or something? I think so. Yeah. 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 That's funny. One, <laughs> one, of my, one of the best teachers ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, but, and I was like, I can't remember. She was like, yeah, I used to teach in Evergreen and I don't even know how we got started yeah, talking yeah. about you, but I know you guys have a role in that. Like, so can you kind of expand on that a bit? Like, why is that kind of a why? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for asking, Chris. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and I mean, there are so many good causes out there. And in my yeah. opinion, like none is better than the next. And <laughs> whatever is yeah. your thing, like work towards it or fund it or whatever you can do. But anyway, for us with organ transplantation, so um, my parents got married like what, er, early 70s, and they found out um, when they got married, there was like a blood test required in Michigan, I think, to find out you're not marrying your cousin or whatever. Um, but it, but they found out with that, that my mom had, had this liver condition, you know, basically her liver was slowly failing over time. And, and they actually told her at that time, they said, we don't think you should ever get pregnant and have a child because it's going to be too much of a health risk. And, and that kind of, you know, I, what we're seeing is my parents from the start have had this go for it attitude. So, and just optimism, optimism and faith that things are going to work out. And so, you know, they got pregnant and it worked and, you know, here I came along and thank goodness, in my opinion, that they got pregnant because I, yeah. I got to exist. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I'm born in 83 over the next number of years, you know, dad's starting his ultra running and mom's liver is deteriorating and going down until in 1990, she needed a full on transplant. And this is in the pretty early transplant days, you know, they'd only been going for at least livers, I think for, you know, not very long, but anyway, um, she got a liver from someone who, who had passed away, I think in a car accident or something. Um, and that saved her life, you know, and the liver wow. worked, worked great. And then, um, about 10 years later, as I was finishing 
high school, her kidneys started to fail. And some of that was due to, you know, you have to take anti-rejection medication, which, you know, those have come a long way, but your kidneys are processing it, of course. And then um, she also got hepatitis C with the liver transplant and a blood transfusion, which they couldn't test for at the time. Um, and that did a number on the kidneys too. So anyway, around 2000, she gets a, a kidney from her brother, Uncle Brian, uh, you know, again, just totally generous, gave, gave her a kidney. Yeah. He's fine. She's fine. Wow. You know, all good. And, and then like 15 years later, the kidney starts failing again, again, probably mostly from the just years and years of, of the medication. Um, and you know, th this time it got quite bad, you know, in a number of years, just kind of go going downhill, downhill, very close to dialysis. She didn't quite get there. Um, but then got another kidney from her other brother, Eric, uh, who happens to be an ultra runner. Um, and then Eric, so Eric, like December, 2017, they do the transplant. My mom comes out. She looks way better. I mean, what a science like lesson. Instantaneous, like, right? Yes. She literally looked better waking up from anesthesia than she did walking, like staggering into the hospital. I mean, just amazing. So anyway, she comes, like, she's doing great now. You know, she went from like, if you don't get a kidney, you're going to die. And that's, that's why people get transplants of any yeah. kind. Yeah. It's a life-saving measure. And that's why it's so important. Um, and, and then her husband, or excuse me, her brother, Eric, you know, he give, he donates the kidney in December and then come August, here he is doing the Leadville 100 again. And he finished faster than he did the previous year, you know? So basically the, the point is if anyone's thinking about it, especially a kidney thing, you can, you can donate a kidney and still be doing great, even athletically. And, and yeah. that's, um, my dad wanted to give back. And so he do donated a kidney um, to someone in uh, spring 2018. Okay. Um, you know, so he was able to, you know, and what a cool thing. Like he literally saved someone's life. Yeah. Who, who like would have died. You know, pay guy it forward. Didn't know, yeah, yeah. Guy didn't. And, and that's, you know, again, that's just, that's, that's who he is. But I, you know, we think it's a very important cause and we're, we, we have, we have a link up. It's um, team donate life endure.com um, and then from there you can link to a page for for a nonprofit called the chris klug foundation um klug was a, a olympic snowboarder for the u.s who also received a life-saving liver i think he got his in 2000 or something okay um so they do they do great work and it, it turned out this summer i randomly went camping at the blue mesa reservoir and, and there's Chris and I hadn't met each other and we're just chatting. We're in the campsites next to each other. And I noticed I'm like, Hey, you got the, what is that the Chris Klug had? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Chris. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Nice. And so, <laughs> anyway, we knew each other. We've like been in touch and I've, you know, we've, I've, you know, tried to, you know, get some fundraising and stuff for them, but anyway, Dude, that's, that's a that's huge Colorado thing. Like you'll just be sitting on a park bench and like an Olympian will just walk oh, by yeah. and you'll be like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. Olympian. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. I'll link that all on the show notes and stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. But it does lead me to my final thing I wanted to ask you. Um, you just moved to Salida, which is really yeah. cool. I had yep. a great aunt who lived there. So I oh, have. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great place. Yep. Um, Don't tell the front range that it's here. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep my voice down. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you so, as a Coloradoan growing mm -hmm. up here, I just, at times I'm overwhelmed by the amount of really cool things to do in this state. 
and I yeah. want to do them all, but I'm also like, I know I can't do them all at one time, you know? Is there any Colorado thing that you haven't done that you're like, I definitely want to blank, 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 whatever that could be? Oh, man. Like, is there a place to climb, like a, a loop to run, anything like that that you've, you haven't? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the like the Hard Rock 100 running course. Okay. Um, you know, just because that area is so awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of, gosh, there's definitely got to be some other stuff. I mean, as you know, I've mentioned to you, I've, I've gotten into hunting the last few years. Yeah. So, you know, just a lot of you know, maybe go out on an elk hunt where in an area where there's huge bulls in the rut, you know, and, awesome. and, and those kind of things, you know, hunting is a whole separate conversation in a different world, but there's some of these units where it takes 20 plus years to draw this hunting tag. Um, you know, and I probably never will get to do it, but you know, something, something like that would, you can dream. Would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, may, maybe, you know, do, doing, um, moving to Salida, you know, being in a river town here on the Arkansas river, you know, a lot of these families have their own rafts and stuff. And so that, that I think could be a next thing, at least for us as a family, yeah. you know, maybe get, get a raft or do some more, um, you know, just long, backcountry family raft trips um, oh. and that could be on on any number of you know lots of great places in the colorado or uh, r rafting the grand canyon like that's a bucket list I, I mean that's not in colorado but that's a bucket list kind of thing for me yeah i heard those trips so, are great just like going out and then you just pull over and camp oh, yeah, at different sites along space, the river yeah bring stuff you know um, yeah who knows maybe colorado trail you know bike packing or trekking you know that could be cool i mean you're, you're right there's just there's, there's so much good good stuff to do and i kind of realized a, a few years ago or maybe, i don't know i guess it's almost 10 years ago now i realized i'd been focusing all my racing like out of state and international and you know that kind of stuff and i sort of realized like man there's a lot of like great <laughs> you know whether it's the leadville races or you know the front range trails are awesome i mean even even now, like the trails, you know, in Evergreen or, you know, Littleton or Golden, like, you know, it's getting pretty crowded. And especially in the area of, era of COVID, it's quite crowded. Yeah. But man, it's still great. Even it if is. you're out there with a lot of other people, which is fine because it's public land. And thank goodness for public yeah. land. We all own it. We can all use it. Everyone has a right to be there. So they should be there. But it's still awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's amazing, man. Well, Travis, thank you. I really, I love talking with you, man. So yeah, yeah. Well, you, you'll be getting a text from me like once or twice a year being like, Hey, uh, can we, and then selfishly, it's always right before I do a race. So I'm like, okay, let me write down these notes that I yeah, can yeah. use during my race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah, Chris, man. the feeling is mutual and man, good luck to you in your race. I'm, yes. I'm pumped for you. Remind me which, which one is it? It's where, uh, where it's it? called Boonville Backroads Ultra. It's in Iowa. Uh, it's All like right. South of Des Moines country roads, okay. covered bridges, corn, stuff like that. Nice. Great <laughs> job, man. Well, good, good luck, you know, take yeah. it in, enjoy the experience. Like you said, remember you could, you can go downhill and bounce back and, yeah. and you will. And, you know, I totally believe in you and, and uh, gr great to be with the community. Um, oh, good yeah. job on you on keeping this podcast going. I mean, you, you've had so Thank many you. great interviews and I just, I think it's awesome that, that you're just hammering away. So good job. Thank you, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the episode. Travis, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I could, like I said, I could talk to that guy every single week, and I always try to pick his brain for ultra and and endurance racing tips um, because he's just so incredibly experienced. So um, I know he does uh, some coaching. So if you are interested, especially now, like as adventure racing is hopefully coming back into the public consciousness. Um, if you're looking for someone who kind of, you know, knows, knows this stuff and has been there through thick and thin and every experience you could possibly think of, uh, definitely check him out. I'll link all that stuff, uh, and his website, travismacy.com to, uh, the podcast notes, obviously. And like I said, ultra mindset, solid, 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 solid book. Um, I was talking with a friend the other day and I was like, man, there's so many books like I dive into and they're awesome. Like they're great books, but the lessons go in one ear and out the other. And I was kind of like, shouldn't I maybe just pick like three or four or like maybe even like two per year, like of these mindset books. Um, I didn't want to say self-help books. (laughs) But, you know, like I'm interested in mindsets and like how to have a positive mindset and how to get the most out of this life. Um, And so I'm like, shouldn't I just pick like a couple of them and just really try to internalize their lessons and like actually apply them to my lives rather than just read it and, uh, you know, and where it's fresh for like a couple days and then you kind of forget about it. Um, So I'm really intentionally trying to do that. So Travis's book is definitely one this year that I'm picking to reread and kind of reevaluate and relearn rethink about some of those lessons um so and the other one is one of my favorites it's the tao the dao excuse me the dao of poo which is about um daoism and winnie the poo <laughs> but it's awesome so yeah pick it up uh i'm i know it's like a some sort of like it was a famous book at some point but uh but yeah, so anyways, um, definitely check out Travis's stuff though. Like I said, he, he really, really, really knowledgeable and really experienced in all of this. So, uh, and if you haven't watched the Eco Challenge, it's awesome, man. Like I can't give it enough praise. Even when there's a couple cheesy bear girl moments where he like backflips out of a helicopter. But you know what? This guy right here, I'm all in on cheesy action moments. You know what I'm saying? If Bear Girls wants to backflip out of helicopters, he can do that all day. Cause I'm like, I like almost stood up and applauded. I was like, hell yes, that's awesome. Uh, and actually in all seriousness, like I actually thought he did a really good job um, when people were coming into the camps or he would see them out on the course. Like I thought he actually did a really good job interviewing them in those moments because I think it would be really hard to do because you have all these people who have just, you know, been out on the course for hours and hours and hours, sometimes even days. And you're trying to get to get at like, what's going through your mind right now? Like, how does your body feel? Like, these are all things I'm assuming the adventure racers do not want to talk about whatsoever in those moments, you know, like when you're feeling super bad and then all of a sudden someone's like, so you said that your back hurts, like, 
explain it. Tell me, elaborate. And you're like, I don't want to elaborate. I want to forget that my back hurts. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> come on, dude. But, uh, but bear does a really good job, uh, getting at that in a way, you know, where people actually are like, yeah, like I'll talk to this dude. This dude seems super cool. So, so yeah. So anyways, um, kind of my reflections on that. The, but like I said, the stories that highlighted, and I know that there's no way it could have highlighted every single person on that course's stories, but I left with the feeling that every single person out there is an absolute awesome person who's just getting after it, having an adventure, experiencing life in that moment, experiencing life to the absolute fullest. And then, like I said in the intro, I also just got that feeling. Everybody's out there. Everyone has their why. Everyone has their purpose. A lot of times it's about trying to process certain events that have happened in their lives. And they, you know, the ones they feature, I mean, there are people who, you know, are out there because they've lost loved ones. There are people who are out there because they've been incredibly struggling with depression. Um, You know, they're... There's just, there's people out there who have recently, there was some like complete badasses out there who had just recently become moms or recently become parents. And they're out there to, you know, for the bigger purpose of being a great role model for their kids. And I mean, you just got to like go through life and understand like the people you're interacting with in person, on the internet, whatever, like they're real human beings with real feelings, real emotions, real hardships, just like everybody else. And the idea of endure, like you just keep going. Endure almost is like life itself. Things are thrown at you. You figure it out. You keep going. And the real question, and this is the thing that I hope I do a good job at, but the idea of enduring while still keeping that positivity with still keeping that smile at times. I mean, it's hard. It's really freaking hard in those really deep, dark moments, but, but it's super important. So anyways, that's what I'll leave you guys this week. Uh, I am off to run the Boonville Backroads Ultra. We shall see how this goes. How's it going to go, Chris? I have no idea. It could be great. It could be not great. I don't know. We'll find out on those long and lonesome roads south of Des Moines, Iowa. So anyways, all right, guys, we'll see you next week.